truly serve a God of the resurrection. Uh, if you're new to the church and maybe it's, a, it's kind of a new thought of that God speaks to his church today, I do invite you, Shelly mentioned it in the seat back, is a booklet called Naturally Supernatural. We really believe that we just need to keep our ears attuned to what the Spirit is saying. Um, and I'll, I'll share, you know, the, the two individuals that shared this morning, um, you know, for Jill, it takes a lot of courage to say, God, I know you want to speak this, but you know what? I really don't. Um, but thanks, Jill, for being willing to be used by God. And, and thanks, Stacy, for knowing uh, what God is wanting to speak over the body. Mark, uh, Pastor Mark, our youth pastor has already mentioned it, but we are moving to two services in two weeks. Two weeks. We've been planning for some time, but making preparations that way. Uh, I just want to make sure you get that on your calendars. So services for our Connection Point family Christmas, service times at 9 and 1045. So what time? 9 All right, we're going to get it, 9 and 1045. So I encourage you to be here for that. We will have donuts in between the services, so not before our first service, so just know that. So please don't give our donut crew a hard time when you show up before 9 a.m. and you're like, where's the donuts? And they're going to say, it's going to be after the service because we want you to say hi to all the second service people. All right? So that's where that space will be. Uh, I do encourage you, as I mentioned back in a, a message on serve others, one of the ways you can serve others as we go to two services in particular is to help us by coming in at the welcome signs and then exiting out at the exit signs. So you get to a nice leisurely drive along a cornfield that's been plowed. But it's nice. So if you can help us with that, that really helps us with traffic flows. Because what's going to happen in between the two services in particular is people coming in for the second service, if they're coming in through the welcome signs and everybody else is going out through the back part of the property and exiting, it's going to make it a lot easier um, for people coming in and out. So if you can help us that way, it'd be great. I have gotten questions about attend one, serve one, and eventually people are going to really grab a hold of that understanding of, we're just saying there's an incredible opportunity on Sunday mornings just to devote that time to the Lord, both to your spiritual growth and development, but also to the service of others, that you could sit in here in first service and just be a part of this time together as a body, and then second service say, I am going to bless these third grade kids and help them live like Jesus. And so we encourage you, if you're, you're interested in doing that, attend one, serve one, you can talk to myself. Uh, you can find somebody in a welcome t-shirt. They can point you in the right direction on how you do that. But we want to encourage you to do it. It's an opportunity or an invitation to, to ministry, really, is, is what we're asking. Uh, well, Shelly and I, uh, we love being pastors. Uh, I do think it might have to do with the fact that we get to lead an incredible church. Uh, we're very thankful for that. Uh, we love the people of Connection Point and, and all that God is doing through their lives. We love to see God's testimonies of life change. Um, I love Water Baptism Day. I love to hear the gospel in application. I love to hear the good news being lived out in people's lives. Uh, we love to hear the testimonies of things that are being celebrated. Pastor Mark shares those. And we want to always look to the celebrations because we know God's at work. It's just a matter of seeing where it is. And so we love to celebrate things. But, you know, one of the interesting things as a pastor, I don't think any pastor can ever prepare for the devastation that they get to see kind of on the front lines in people's lives. Uh, people who maybe weren't living for God, they really didn't put Jesus at the center. They didn't set up Jesus as that firm foundation. We talked about that with an unshakable life. And so then sin and evil, it just it wrecks havoc in their lives. There's really no way to prepare for that. But I can tell you as a pastor, that is the joy of reading scripture and saying Jesus, where Jesus says, yoke, you know, basically yoke to me, attach yourself to me, and I'm going to do the heavy lifting. How many are glad Jesus does the heavy lifting? I sure am. Because 
things that Jesus can do, there, there's no way I could ever accomplish. And so I'm so thankful that I know Jesus, and I know, as, as was shared this morning, that he really is the resurrection and the life. He says it, I've seen it, I know it. And so although I, I get to experience and, and see uh, devastation, I also know the one who can come in and make all things new. And maybe you find yourselves this morning, as we were praying this morning with the music and production teams, you know, somebody shared, holidays is an incredible time. But at the same time, there are some people that struggle with holidays either due to loss of family or maybe challenging things that happened in their own lives at the holiday season. And so maybe that's where you find yourself this morning. Maybe you're not at a good place. Maybe you're facing devastation. But that's why the message this morning, what I want to look at is then how do we experience in the midst of, of wrecked lives, in the midst of devastation, how can we experience resurrection in life? And so that's what we're going to look at in Luke chapter 7 this morning as we continue our series in Luke. And what we're going to find in this passage is that you can experience resurrection with Jesus. That you can experience resurrection with Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you do have a Bible. It's a great thing to have. Now, if you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to take one underneath the seat that is in front of you. It's yours as a gift from the church if you don't have one at home. But I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word today. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. So Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea in all the surrounding country. These are very words of God. You may be seated this morning. Death is painful. It's usually preceded by suffering. Sometimes it's completely unexpected. And it does come for us all. We know it. Because the wage for sin is death. This is what we find in the book of Romans. And everyone has sinned. We find this in that New Testament book of Romans. It really gets into that understanding. And the world is not the way God made it to be. I think we lose sight of that sometimes. This is the way that we have made it to be through evil and rebellion. And when we suffer, here's what I know, and this is through personal experience as well, sometimes we do foolish things. We get angry and bitter and mad at God for suffering that he didn't create. We did. And we get into the story this morning. What we're going to do is, is, was read, we encounter this woman who's at a funeral. And I really want you to connect with her. 
She's burying her only son. This is an absolutely horrible day for this mom. And you're going to have days like that in your life where you're absolutely wrecked. Some of you will be there for a glimpse into the days of other people's lives. So you're going to see that in the lives of others, that they're absolutely wrecked. And when suffering comes, when sickness comes, when, when death comes, what's the answer going to be? The answer needs to be that you have the knowledge of the resurrection and the life and access to that power in your life. And so the question this morning is then, how do you experience resurrection? How do you experience it? And the first thing we find from our passage is that you can experience resurrection because Jesus comes to you. You can experience resurrection because Jesus comes to you. You know, I mentioned before as we were talking about King's speech, so kind of walking through these segments of Luke, and in part of the speech that Jesus shares, he talks in that speech how you can have an unshakable life. Jesus says, the person who comes to me, so you got to come to Jesus, who hears what I have to say and then obeys what I say, they are the ones that have an unshakable life. So you've got to come to Jesus, you've got to hear what he has to say, and then you have to walk in obedience. Those are the three things. And the reason you need an unshakable life is because in this life, problems will arise. They're going to happen. So we don't set up our lives thinking, well, so long as nothing happens, I'm good. Wrong answer. You go into life saying, problems are going to come, so I better have that unshakable foundation that only Jesus can bring. You know, what's extraordinary as we look at our story today is to see that Jesus finds wrecked people. This is one of my favorite things I pulled out of this passage as I was going through it for today's message. Jesus finds wrecked people. That's what he does. That's our Jesus. God comes to earth as the man, Jesus Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the anointed one. And he goes looking for absolutely wrecked people, people on the worst day of their whole life. That's what this passage is really about. Here's what Luke writes. Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. She was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. Can you feel the weightiness of that moment? They're giving this description. The whole town is there. This this mom, it's not just her son, it's her only son. And she's already been to one funeral. What funeral has she already attended? Her husband's. That's what makes this such a horrible day. You know, what's interesting about the town of Nain, though, as we look at it, this town does not appear at any other time in the Bible. Look it up. It it appears to be a rather insignificant town, an unimportant place. So, I mean, like, this is the kind of town that if you're traveling and you're, like, you know, traveling somewhere to go see family for the holidays, it's that town with the unnamed gas station that you don't stop there, right? Like, who wants to go visit that bathroom? (laughs) Nobody does. Like, that's the town of Nain. People might travel through, but they're not stopping. This is an unimportant place. And I need you to understand that we're also living in a day in the first century where there is no retirement. There is no social security. The only hope for this mom at the end of her days is this son. And now he's passed. What hope does she have for the future? She really doesn't have any. This woman, she lives in an insignificant place. She's buried her husband. She's now burying her only son. 
it is an absolutely terrible day. But what happens? Jesus shows up. I absolutely love that about this story. And I love that in the way that you look at Luke's gospel. So a couple of weeks ago, maybe you're, you're new, but we had talked about the first part of chapter seven, where there's a centurion who has a servant who's on his deathbed, and the centurion is seeking after Jesus. But we don't find that here. Nobody was asking for Jesus to come. I mean, for all we know, they don't even know who Jesus is. Jesus just shows up on the scene. And I love that here because I get asked the question, well, does God pursue us or do we pursue God? And of course, the answer is yes. I don't know why people debate about that. Why sit around debating those things? I always tell people, go and make disciples. You know, why why do you debate? God comes to us and we approach God. It's, It's this incredible relationship that we have with him. The centurion seeks Jesus. But in this woman's worst day, Jesus just shows up unannounced. This woman didn't ask for Jesus. And I want you to understand the challenge it was for Jesus to get there. So Jesus is in Capernaum. He's healing a centurion's servant. And the next thing we see, it says, and soon afterward. Okay, I want to show you what soon afterward looks like. Can we jump to the map? Okay, so Capernaum is on the northern ridge of this map. Everybody see it up there? kind of straight up north, the top part of what it says, Gennesaret, what we like to call the Sea of Galilee, which isn't a sea, but it's a lake, but I won't get into all that. So north part of Capernaum. And now if you follow that, the red line that's on the bottom part and you travel, you keep going to where that arrow ends and you see Nain there. Can you see it? Are they traveling by air-conditioned tour bus? No, that was the benefit of all those that went with us in June. They're by foot. And they're traveling through its very rocky terrain. Now, go to the next slide here. I want to show you one of the things they pass by. This is Mount Arbel. Uh, my dad's in this picture here because, so as we lived in Jerusalem, every year my parents would come and visit, and then every year we'd find a new hike to do. So I'm hiking with dad. But, you know, I never really knew what we were getting into. I just would ask locals. I'm like, hey, where's a good place to go hiking? Oh, there's this mountain by the Galilee. Okay, sure, we'll go hiking there. Okay, so this is Arbel. It's a little bit intimidating. So I pull up and dad's like, what are we doing? I'm like, well, I guess we're hiking. But what you can't see where my dad is at, there's also spaces where it's like you're on the cliff and it's just like handholds. No ropes, just like, my dad's like, this is ridiculous. Now, what I appreciated about my dad, he, he said, and by the way, if your brother ever comes to visit, you better take him on this hike. <laughs> I'll tell Stephanie you said that. That's awesome. But this is where Jesus is hiking. So he's traversing this kind of terrain going to Nain. He's traveling to Nain. This is at least a two-day journey. It's going to be some serious hiking. And it says multitudes are following with him. You know, and again, so my mind runs places as I'm reading scripture. You know, like the guys going up the back steps to Peter's house. This guy carries a sword. What are we thinking, you know? So I'm thinking in this passage, the multitudes are are following after Jesus, and they've got to be asking the disciples, where is Jesus going? And the disciples, you know, he's just selected 12 disciples. He's just, you know, talked about what it looks like to be a citizen, a blessed citizen of heaven. And now they're just following him. You know, he heals the centurion servant. Now they're following him on this nice, you know, couple-day hike down to Nain. And the disciples are going to be, we don't know. We never know. You know, we just follow Jesus and get a great workout in the meantime. You know, it's, that's what it is to follow Jesus. But it's interesting when you look at the multitudes are following Jesus. And why are they following him? Why? Because they want to hear from Jesus. They want him to speak into their life. They want him to pray for him. 
And I'll say this, they really kind of want Jesus for themselves. They'd love for Jesus to sit still and teach a Bible study. They'd love for Jesus to stop traveling. And just could you be our, you know, be our person right here in our town and, and we get to keep you for ourselves. But what you notice about Jesus is he's always going. He's always going. He's even saying in scripture, look, I, I've come to do this. You know, when, when he's preaching in the synagogues in the towns in Galilee and he continues to travel, he says, I've come for this reason. I'm going to keep going and speaking. I'm going to keep going and sharing. I'm going to keep going. And he's traveling to Nain. The multitudes want him for themselves, but Jesus knows where he's headed. Jesus always knows where he's headed. It's just our job to follow him in it. And there may be people in this room today that maybe you're, you're looking at that widow in Nain. Maybe your life has been wrecked. Maybe some of you know people who are absolutely wrecked. And you're devastated for them, like these townspeople are for the widow. They've come out to mourn with her. And you need to know that Jesus can and he does pursue devastated people. That's what Jesus does. Jesus finds wrecked people and he changes their situation. We see it in the passage this morning. Some of you need to have that kind of faith today for yourself or maybe for somebody else that's near to your heart. Jesus shows up in the worst of times, and he changes things. So when you're in the middle of a terrible situation, know that Jesus is there in the midst of it. When someone that you love has passed from this life, know Jesus is there to bring peace. If someone you know is facing an overwhelming hardship, be confident Jesus is pursuing them, and you can pray with that kind of faith. Jesus, I know that you've got this. I know they're not too far for you. Jesus goes after them. You can experience resurrection because Jesus comes to you. And you can experience resurrection because Jesus is compassionate. You can experience resurrection because Jesus is compassionate. So Jesus travels this hilly path. He goes out of his way to come across a widow in her darkest hour. And here's what it says. It says, when the Lord saw her, he saw this grieving mom, he had compassion on her. So I'm a, I'm a planner. I like to-do lists. And I found I don't even like them on my phone. I like them on a piece of paper that you can scratch out and just feel, like, feel that endorphin release of, man, that, that's, that's good right there. Anybody else in the room like that? Like to-do lists? And all those that don't are like, you people are sick. You, you people make me sick. Some people are just hardwired that way. We like to get things done. We're doers. But I'll tell you, part of the challenge is I look at the New Testament and God really brought this to a head for me as, as we went to Sudan. Because I'll tell you what, in America, you can absolutely live that way. Yeah, you can plan your life. You can order your things. you got to-do lists. You can accomplish 10 things by 10 a.m. and feel awesome about your day. But now you go to a third world country. You're lucky to accomplish half a thing by 10 a.m. And even that may be undone by the time you get to noon. It's really bad. And so we, we landed in Sudan. Uh, if you're new to the church, Shelly and I had served overseas for a decade before coming here. So we get to Africa, and my to-do list of 20 things in a day gets reduced to like two. I'm not feeling real good about my days, because we're just hardwired to do, to get things done. And then God convicts me and says, why don't you, why don't you read the New Testament? <laughs> don't you love that? Jesus says that to the Pharisees and Sadducees, by the way, too. I mentioned that before. You know, you hear what the Bible has to say? He talks about David and his companions. I'm sorry, I won't go there. That's, that's the previous sermon. But he says, look at me in the New Testament. And the conviction I felt is understanding as you read and look at the life of Jesus is the majority of his ministry was in the margins of his life. The majority of the ministry of Jesus is in the margins of his life. 
And I actually think that's one of the sins of America. We so tightly pack our days, we leave no margins, and then God can't do what he wants to do through our lives. He can't use us as the ambassadors that he wants to use us as. We too tightly pack our days, and we kind of leave God scheduled out of it. So I just really became convicted, and I began to reduce my to-do lists and not begin to, to worry about how much was getting done, but how much I was taking time to just be in Jesus. Now, I still like to get things done, but there's a flip that occurs at some point, and you need to experience this, where your doing comes out of your sense of being. Amen. That if you're in Jesus, and you're simply immersed in him, there's opportunities that come in your day that you don't look at as a schedule breaker, but as a schedule opportunity. And you say, God, I'm going to redirect here because I know you're in this. And let's have a conversation. And that, that other thing, it's going to get done. Why? Because I'm going to scratch it off at some point. That's just who I am. I'm going to get it done. So I, I challenge you to live with that kind of confidence. And maybe you need to reorder some of the, the days that you haven't. And I mention that here because as Jesus approaches this situation... We expect Jesus to do something, right? Like, oh, that person's dead. He sees a widow. Obviously, he's going to have compassion and do something. But if it were us, I want you to consider. If you're a, a to-do list kind of a person, if you're a planner, a go-getter, when you and I find someone, and I'm speaking this over myself sometimes because I'm constantly challenged. If we find somebody who's really suffering, really hurting, what's our natural response? If you're a person bent toward productivity, you probably don't have a natural inclination to pursue them. And here's why, because you know it can be exhausting. It could be devastating. It could be hard work to love them the way that they need to experience the love of God. And emotionally, it could be costing. So to show compassion, it requires margin and an open-handedness when it comes to our schedules and to-do lists. So I would ask, have you packed your schedules too tight? Do you need to make room somewhere? Or if you show compassion, maybe here's an evaluation piece. Is it on your timetable, or do you allow interruption so it's on theirs? It could be time to review your weekly to-do list. Leave room for God. Use you to show compassion to those around you. Because you can experience resurrection, because Jesus is compassionate. You can experience it that way. And others can experience resurrection as you make room in your life to show compassion to others. And you can experience resurrection because Jesus touches death and brings life. You can experience resurrection because Jesus touches death and brings life. I mean, Jesus touches dead people and brings life. We, we saw that this morning in the passage. Here's what it says. Then he came up, so Jesus, and touched the bier, and the bearer stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Interrupting a funeral... I want to kind of help explain first century Judaism here. It was a blatant breach of Jewish law and custom. So surprise, surprise, Jesus abides by his own rules. Touching the frame of the dead body would have exposed Jesus to a day's uncleanness. He would have been unclean. Couldn't go to the temple, do a whole lot of things. Touching the dead body exposed him to a week's uncleanness. You look at the Old Testament book of Numbers, it explains this in chapters 5 and 19. It talks about how you should be handling dead things in, in the way that makes you unclean. So in short, Jesus contracted the severest form of ritual impurity in Judaism by touching that dead body. This is why in scripture it tells us, as Jesus approached the frame, the bearer stood still like, what's this guy doing? He shouldn't be doing this right now. They're beginning to wonder, what is, what is this guy about to do? Because it doesn't say anything in there that they know who Jesus is and the capacity that he has to heal. 
So they don't know what's happening. They were shocked. And so now Jesus, what he does is he touches death, he touches the young man, and he gives him a command. What does he say? Arise. One word. And what happens to the dead man? This is, he rises. And this is dead man. This is how Luke describes him. I want to kind of detour here a little bit. So don't forget, Luke's a doctor. And he's been tasked to investigate the story of Jesus. You've got to know as a doctor, okay, I heard he raised somebody from the dead. I'm going to go investigate that myself. And not that Luke is a skeptic, but really what he is, is he's got questions about, okay, I know that my Savior could do this as he was risen from the dead, but I've got questions. So Luke is interviewing people. He's doing research on his gospel. And I really think that he probably showed up in the town of Nain asking townspeople about this. And he could have interviewed that guy that was brought back to life. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine getting, I'm sure Luke was curious, like, tell me, tell me about, what was that like? The guy's like, well, I was feeling really bad. Uh, then I was feeling really, really bad. Um, and the next thing I know, I've got power coming through my body. And I look around and everybody's looking at me. I start talking, people freak out. And then it's like this joyous occasion. And he says, you know, I kind of like to do that again sometime. Could we work that out? (laughs) So Luke is investigating these stories, and he's investigating it through the lens of a doctor, a medical doctor. And so he's confirming these things as he goes and he's writing the gospel. I think it's awesome. You know, I will say this, though. I was thinking about this. Can you imagine the emotional exhaustion in that moment? 30-second window. Grieving sorrow, wailing. So part of what they would do in first century Judaism is they'd hire professional wailers. So people wailing, grieving. Jesus shows up. What's that guy doing? Jesus touches the man. Dead man starts talking. Woo! Freaked out. But then in the next instant, exuberant joy. So it's like zero to 60 in two seconds from grieving to confusion to scared to death and absolute joy. I love that for Jesus. He comes into a situation and absolutely flips things upside down. And Jesus can do that in your life as well. I don't know what you're encountering. I don't know what you're facing. And it may even scare you on how Jesus shows up in your life. But can I tell you, joy's coming. Joy's coming on the backside of that. We don't always understand how Jesus works in our lives. But if we trust him, going back to that word from this morning, if we trust him, He's a good God, and he wants all of us. How many think the town in Nain was no longer the same after that moment? Now people are wanting to start to visit that town because they hear these incredible stories. You know, if reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But God, who is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. The story today is a picture of this. This is what Jesus does for us all. He brings resurrection. He brings spiritual life. This is the promise that we have in God. So we seek Jesus. We ask him for forgiveness, to forgive us of our evil hearts. And we say, Jesus, I want you to be the center. I want to dedicate my life to following you. I believe you were raised from the dead, and I put my faith and hope and trust in you. That's following Jesus, because we know that he's a resurrection in the life. 
If you've not made a decision to follow Jesus today, you heard testimony today of somebody here on a Sunday that said, Jesus, I know I need to move forward and say, I've got to follow you. I would just, I would challenge you as, as we take time at the end to pause and say, just raise your hand. We want to pray with you today. Do it today. Don't walk out of this place without knowing the resurrection and the life. And here's why a decision to follow Jesus matters. Because the result of a compassionate Jesus who comes to us, touching us, bringing us life, is that followers of Jesus will rise because Jesus brings resurrection and life. Followers of Jesus will rise because Jesus brings resurrection and life. Here's the last part of our passage this morning. Fear sees them all. And they glorify God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. I love that the response to encountering Jesus is two things. They worship, and then they go share his story. They worship, and then they go on mission for Jesus. If you've really encountered Jesus, those should be the natural inclinations of your heart. You have this desire to worship and then to be on mission for him, to share his story with others. Because you have this promise that you will rise again. The promise we have in Jesus. You can be confident in the Son of God and his ability to bring death to life. There is a resurrection day coming. One day Jesus will again reach down into death and will again declare, arise! This is his second coming. He says, arise! That's the resurrection we have. Dead people will come to life. He will reunite uh, them with those who love them. And this is the promise we find in this book. The Bible says that Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eye and sin and death will be no more. Resurrection is coming because this same Jesus who promised it is coming back again. Amen. Jesus is resurrection in life. You can experience resurrection with Jesus. What could your life look like? if you knew the resurrection and power of Jesus? Because maybe some of you are walking around today without that. And what kind of encouragement could you provide if you showed others how they could know the resurrection in life as well? That's who Jesus is. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. I feel like it's appropriate to close in the way that this passage does. Two things they did when they encountered Jesus. They worshipped, and then they went about sharing his story. So as we close today, let's worship, and as you walk out of these doors... Let's go share his story with others. Help others know the resurrection and the life that they can have in him. But before we sing and, and close that way today, I do want to ask, maybe you're here and you need to experience a resurrection and life that only Jesus can bring. Maybe you need that promise of eternal life in Jesus. And you'd say, today is my day. I want to make that decision. With every head bowed here in this room today, if that's you and you'd say, that's me, I, I don't know the resurrection of life. My life is wrecked and I need Jesus to show up in my darkest hour. So I want to raise my hand and say, I want to follow you, Jesus. I, I know that you are the, what has been missing in my life. If that's you today, simply raise your hand. I want to pray with you before we go. Up here in the middle, anybody else that would say, I need that resurrection in life? Anybody else that would say, I need to follow Jesus today? Over here on the right. Anybody else that would say, I want to follow you, God. I want you as the center. I need to experience your resurrection and power. Up, up, uh, over here in the back in the middle, anybody else would say, I want to follow you, Jesus. Anybody up in the balcony and say, I want to follow you, God. Turn my life over to you. I want to experience resurrection in life. Another one here in the back. Let me just pray with you here this morning. Jesus, we just pray right now. As we close this song in, or close this service this morning in song, I just pray that we'd worship you with all that we are. 
May we truly know you as resurrection and life today. And Lord, I pray that you would speak life into this room, into those hands that were raised. I pray that they would truly dedicate themselves to you. May they not be afraid to step out in their faith and to share your story with others. Lord, I pray as I, I know they'll face challenges this week because they've said, God, I want to be your child and be recognized as such. The enemy comes against it. So Lord, we just pray against that in Jesus' name. So we just pray for firmness and faith and strength in your name. And so Lord, I pray that these lives would be truly dedicated to you, that they would journey with you for a lifetime and that they would embrace the opportunity in this church to have other lives come alongside them as they do it. And we just pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna have Pastor Mark come up here to the front. If you raise your hand today, prayer team, if you don't mind to come to the front as well. If you raise your hand, here's the thing. We know that you making that decision basically puts a target on your back. Satan does not want you to make that decision, but God does. Everyone in this room does. So we just celebrate you this morning. And so if you raise your hand, if you would just be willing to step out from where you're at, come down and meet with our prayer team members, simply to give you a Bible and say, hey, here's where you go from here. We want to give you the tools to follow Jesus. So simply step out from where you're at, come down as we close in song this morning. We celebrate you today.